Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Direct. Hard-hitting. No holds barred. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Remember when uh, Colonel Steve Day was on this program, uh, the former commanding officer of Joint Task Force 2, Canada's Special Forces um, Unit, the anti, uh, well, the counterterrorism unit that operates both within Canada and outside Canada, one of the very few um, counterterrorism units in the world that has domestic responsibilities and international responsibilities. And Colonel Day said, we were talking about politicians and their rather tepid reactions to uh, acts of terror that take place in our Western societies. Colonel Day said, uh, at times, politicians receive advice from people who are qualified to give them the advice, military people, um, intelligence, military intelligence people, um, perhaps counterterrorism units, and they don't listen. The politicians just just don't. They don't listen. They see the world differently. Mubin Shaikh uh, is a former CSIS and RCMP operative. He's the author of Undercover Jihadi, and he's also a former supporter of uh, extreme jihad. It was after 9-11 that Mubin changed his way of viewing the world, and he's been on this program many times, and we've talked about all of that. Mubin, when you hear about a situation like, and thanks for joining us, when you when you hear of uh, of, a, of a terror attack like Edmonton, does it surprise you any longer or or not? Well, I mean, um, it, it's first of all, it's thank you for having me. It's great you've also had uh, Colonel uh, Colonel Day. He, uh, him and I are in touch frequently, and and he's right. His overall attitude towards this is that look, we. We have to really get pointed in our response and reaction uh, to these kinds of events. So me, I mean, you know, I, my undercover years were, you know, 2004 to 2006, the Toronto 18 case. Nobody really thought, you know, Canada, Canada of all places. And then we kept hearing the message, look, Canada is not immune to attack. Canada is not immune. So since then, you know, the Syrian war has kicked off, uh, the so-called Arab Spring, and all the upheavals that have come with it, and most especially, I mean, ISIS, but the end of 2014, and uh, the mid-2014 is when ISIS declared its so-called caliphate. Shortly thereafter, uh, the now-dead spokesperson called on Westerners to, to commit these attacks in countries, and that's when we really started to see the uptick. Uh, 2015 was really bad, um, almost, I think it was just over 1,000 attacks, and then 2016, even more, 1,800 now, by 2017, because we've been fighting them, the attacks have gone down. But that is not because of lack of planning and plotting on the parts of these groups, especially in Europe. I mean, what we are seeing, look, I don't mean to downplay, but it's a blip in the sense that it comes in succession of other attacks. Now, another aggravating factor to take into consideration is just two days ago, uh, Baghdadi, the ISIS leader, released you know, his mixtape, basically, uh, with the usual stuff, references to scripture, foreign policy grievances, and called on its supporters to conduct these attacks. 
And their modus operandi has specifically been these low-tech attacks of get into a car, do a ramming. Now, in the case in Edmonton, you see what he did. He targeted a police officer, and the last time we saw an attack like this was uh, in Quebec with uh, Rouleau Couture, who, who struck down two soldiers. But what's, what's worse here is he got the U-Haul truck, and he was going to run over more people, which he tried to do. Four or five people, thank God, nobody got killed. But, but at least the police, and this really we have to give support to the Edmonton police, they found him right away, uh, you know, and they arrested him, they apprehended him live and, and ready for prosecution. Yeah, the reason that I asked you whether you were surprised uh, any longer is because I don't think many people are surprised. It's almost as though we're not necessarily waiting for them to happen, the terror attacks to take place, but we know they are going to take place. And there's a real concern about political leaders doing what they can do, not just what they ought to do, but what they can do to turn our societies more safe and uh, and do what needs to be done to create a more safe environment. Um, when you, so let me, let me, I guess, go to part B of this. If, if we're not surprised at, uh, at these events taking place, then are they taking place because not enough is being done to preclude them from, from taking place? We've talked a great deal in, for a number of years now about radicalizing of, of, of young men and young women. There's a lot of talk about it. I don't know how much is being undertaken to, to, to counter the radicalizing. It just seems like the, yeah, think, the counterterrorism forces are behind, behind the curve moving. Well, no, they're not. I mean, so there's two avenues to look at this. One is the military solution, and the other is the societal re- re- solution. So it just so happens that, uh, you know, the public state, Ministry of Public Safety put out a call for proposals for funding programs that actually deal with these issues, right? Giving money, you know, let's get out there, you know, get some kind of training happening. And this is only now going to be implemented in the next few months you'll see in the news cycle an announcement of, you know, grants being given for this kind of funding. It's only in the sense that, I mean, look, an attack has happened. What do we do about it? Now, the military solution is one thing. Canada is one player among several other bigger players, right? We, we can't, you know, dominate everything. We can only manage in as much as we have the resources to do that. Um, so I think the forces side of things are on point. I mean, they have what they need. They, need, you know, they know what needs to be done. Even at the local police level, there's been a lot of training already of, of these agencies. And it's unfortunate. It's not that, you know, even I wake up every day thinking, like, oh, my God, where's the next attack happen? Right? And it's, it's conditioning. We're being conditioned to this because they keep happening. Now, now how do we respond to this? Number one, you're not going to have zero attacks. You're not going to have 100% security. Not when, you know, there have been 16 years of wars plus in that region you know, wars that give directly give rise to this displacement of people, right? Now we're dealing with the consequences of that, right? It's, it's damned if you do and damned if you don't. When you intervene, you get flagged left, right, and center. When you don't intervene and you allow these things to happen, now you bear the brunt of others' consequences. So we need, we need not to freak out, okay? We do need to be more vigilant. That means, you know, to be aware of your surroundings, where you are. If you do see erratic activity, know where to hide or where to respond where to, to take cover, you know, concrete pillars. If you notice, uh, you know, the Invictus Games, you know, I went to the opening ceremony, you know, they had uh, not to reveal uh, secret uh, security measures, but like dump trucks blocking avenues and roads. This is happening in Europe already, uh, in New York Times Square. Uh, they fill them up with dirt so that if there's a fire issue, you have the dirt to put out the fire. Mm-hmm. You know, look, they're attacking and we're responding. 
bonding, but we, we just can't freeze out. We cannot fall into narratives that blame completely you know, all community groups because then we're imitating the mentality of extremists and terrorists who say that everyone is fair game. Now, my, qu- my, question, my question was, are we doing everything that we can do, should be doing, that's available to be done? And it just seems that we are, seems to me that we're not. But let me ask you this. What's well, can, the, I, can what, I just say, can I just say, in the UK, for example, yeah. they have foiled so many plots, okay, and we don't, this is the thing, we're not aware of them right. because they're foiled plots, right? They're not headlines of so many people killed. Yeah, fair, fair they comment. They have foiled so many plots, they would have had a 7-7 style attack, one a month. Imagine that? So, they're very stretched, they're very stretched, but they mm-hmm. are losing a lot of sleep to try to mitigate as much as possible these kinds of attacks. So we have, do we have to budget more? Do we have to cre- create, a, you know, have more personnel available? What's, what's required? Absolutely, you do need more personnel. All right, so, so there's the shortfall. Now let me ask you this. What's the profile of the person who concerns you as a potential terrorist? Is it a returning ISIS fighter, or is it some kid who grew up in what would be described as a normal Canadian environment? Right. Well, first of all, there's no profile, okay? Uh, there, there are clusters of behaviors that are indicators. So these may include, now some, for example, stand by themselves. So a sudden change in religious dress, you know, they start to wear a hijab or grow a beard or wear a robe. That by itself is not an indicator. But if you add to that aggravating factors like uh, at keeping in peer groups with known extremists, narrow net- uh, rhetoric between the, the West and Islam. So, you know, these infidels, these infidels, okay? Um, travel or, or attempted, tra- attempted travel to certain places. Uh, when, when you mentioned the ISIS returnees, you, have, you also have to look at, you know, when they went, how long they were there, and what they did. So there, there are many, the threats are coming from all different sides. When you say a seemingly Canadian background, mm-hmm. remember, this is somebody who does not feel that they belong in society. They may look the part, it may, they may seem whatever, but you don't know what they're doing in the wee hours of night, right? Yeah, so we're, we're not really aware of the, the average person isn't aware of the depth of the problem. And, and we clearly need to have more available to respond with, and we'll come back to the personnel and the, and the budgeting that is required. Mubin, I thank you very much for, uh, for coming on the show. Um, I know we're going to be talking again, and hopefully we'll be talking about something that has been done and that's effective, unless you say we often don't know what's been done, but maybe we can find out, you know, find out something that's been done to, yeah. to stop an attack, and that makes people feel a little better that there actually is activity taking place to protect us. Yeah, that is a very, very good point, and I'll leave it with that. I mean, there are a lot of good things being done behind the scenes. Uh, you know, we have, even North America, we have so many Muslims here, very, very few attacks. So right. we're all in this together, one team, one fight. Thanks, Thank, man. Thanks for the time. Mubin Sheikh on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. His book is Undercover Jihadi. He's a former CSIS and RCMP operative. Let me go to Kirby Bourne, a reporter with our chorus radio station in Edmonton, 630 Chad, has been holding on very patiently with all of that's going on. Kirby, thank you for the time. And what is going on like right now in the city of Edmonton? What, uh, where, where's the investigation stand? What's being said by police? Is there anything that's brand new and just breaking? There hasn't been any new information from police yet since the press conference at about 3 a.m. this morning. Um, we do have another one scheduled for 3 o'clock our time, so of course that's in about 2 hours and 15 minutes. I expect at that point we will learn more. 
Um, we do know the officer who was attacked last night is doing well. He's been released from hospital. Um, he has been identified. His name is not in front of me right now. I apologize, but um, he's doing well. He's released. No update yet on the the uh, pedestrians who were struck downtown. But right now, it's still so early in this that it's hard to know exactly where we're at because police are still trying to sort all of this out themselves. So I expect we'll ha- we'll learn more in a few hours at that next police press conference. Is there a, a, a mood or a word that would describe the mood of the city of Edmonton today? As I drove in, people seemed to kind of be going about their day as usual. I stopped and got a coffee and asked kind of how everyone was doing in there. And they said they were all surprised, but Edmonton has kind of pulled together and helping all the people downtown last night and listening to police as they needed to when they were helping or when the police were responding last night. Edmonton kind of, like I said, we pulled together and we're, we're, we're working on this as best we can. It's, it's kind of a one day at a time kind of thing. And it's still, like I said, so early that um, it's, it's life as normal for most people. If you look at social media right now on my Facebook, everyone, everyone's pretty shocked, but everyone's saying they won't be scared. Um, there's a rally planned for tonight. A lot of people are planning on t- attending that, so they refuse to kind of stay home and hide. So that's, that's good, I guess. For me, at least, it helps, it helps us no, get I agree. this as well. I agree. Kirby, thank you so much for the time. Absolutely, Roy. My pleasure. Kirby Bourne from 630 Chet, our chorus radio station in the Alberta capital. When we come back, Scott Newark, former federal and Ontario security advisor post-9-11, former Alberta Crown attorney, and also former senior policy advisor to Federal Minister for Public Safety. We'll talk to Scott about his sense of what happened in Edmonton and where we are in the overall big picture of terror concern in, in urban centers in Western countries and where we need to be. Stay with us. Passionate, patriotic, a little bit pugilistic, and always professional. Hear what Roy Green has to say on the Chorus Radio Network. Next hour, the uh, National Football League players are taking a knee again, and they're um, linking arms in the show of solidarity. We're going to be talking about that with a diversity expert and with our friend Mark Yost, who writes on the business of sport for the Wall Street Journal and says this is the beginning of the end for the National Football League. Well, Aaron Rodgers, who's the star quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, of course, sent out a message to Packers fans urging them to express solidarity with the players and link arms with, uh, on the, in the stands. And what he got back was a tremendous amount of backlash from fans who weren't having any of it. So we're going to get into all of that in, uh, in the next hour. On the issue of terror and te- the terror attack in Edmonton, we're trying to get as many perspectives as we possibly can in this hour. We're talking about it. Scott Newark is with us, former federal and Ontario security advisor, post 9-11, former crown attorney, also a former senior policy advisor to a federal minister for public safety. He was also the executive director for the Canadian Police Association. Scott, when you, uh, when, you, when you look at what happened, when you, when, when you put it into context of all of the other terror attacks that have taken place just in the last year, where are we as far as having some level of, I don't know if the word control is the right word, but having some, some, some uh, sense of, of, of that we're actually winning this or we're not? Where, where are we right now? Where do we stand? Uh, I think probably... Um 
moving towards accepting this as the reality. This is just the way it is. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, welcome to 2017, and frankly, uh, and, and before that. This is the new reality that we're facing. Um, this, this particular attack, I would say it's not surprising, but uh, it um, alarms me and angers me. Uh, there were, in fact, uh, indicators. Uh, a couple of days ago, the uh, supposedly killed uh, leader of uh, ISIS, al-Baghdadi, issued an audio statement that uh, once again called for these kinds of attacks on the, uh, the homeland. Saturday night, by the way, was the end of Yom Kippur. The original attack site was at that football game, a mass population venue, which has been the uh, scene for other attacks. And it, by the, you, you may know that the, uh, at, at that football game, there was a specific ceremony honoring our military, which has also been a designated uh, a subject target. We've seen this kind of thing with the use of the weapons and the directed attacks on military and law enforcement. Back in uh, 2014, Martin Rouleau and the attacks on the, uh, the soldiers. So these features are not things that are completely coming out of sort of the blue on this stuff. It's how it is that we are going to, number one, identify these threats and recognizing what constitutes a threat, first of all, what are the, uh, the pre-indicators of it, and then secondly, what steps are in place operationally, legally, be able to do something so that we're not reacting after the fact. And it's that last portion of it that I think we're just uh, coming to grips with. Now, we hear a great deal, and I talked with Mubin Sheikh about this, we hear a great deal about not be having enough personnel to do what needs to be done to keep an eye on people or to intercede when we need to be able to intercede. Why don't we? we why don't we set money aside? Why, I, mean, I suppose I'm asking a, a rhetorical question, but why don't we do the things we need to do, take the steps we need to take to address the issues that have been identified as issues? Yeah, well, personally, I think there's an element of political correctness uh, involved here, and I read the you know, Prime Minister's statement about diversity is our strength. Um, time to grow up, Justin. Uh, actually, it's our uh, solidarity and unity in the values and principles that is our strength. And simply being different is not inherently itself something that gives us strength, okay? It's not that it's, we aren't capable of having different um, religious and uh, racial and social and sexual groups, but it's that adherence to those common values and principles that says your ideology or your beliefs shouldn't result in this kind of thing happening. But the... the uh, Having the, uh, shall we say, political backbone to come out and actually say that seems to be missing. And each of these cases, and this is, this is one, and I, I happen to be, uh, you mentioned I was a prosecutor. I was a prosecutor in Alberta. I'm familiar with the Edmonton police. I've, I still have uh, many friends there, and I'll tell you something. They are one of the most sophisticated police services in Canada. Uh, I noted that the, uh, the chief in his remarks... Uh, and Scott, I, Scott, I have 20 seconds. I'm sorry, but that's uh, all I have. There needs to be an examination of the fact of this case to identify what we knew and if there were things that we could have been done, not as a finger-pointing exercise, but as a lessons-learned exercise. Always good talking to you, my friend. Thank Bye -bye. you. Scott Newark. We talked to seven people in the last 45 minutes or so. Uh, many perspectives and great guests, and we thank them for that. Come back in just a minute.